series we've been doing is called The Kingdom. Um, we're going to do this week and then have a break for a bit and then come back and kind of keep going through this throughout the year. And we've been looking at stories of Jesus, um, particularly healing people, um, demonstrating what it's like when God comes in power and, and how God just does things differently to what we would expect. Jesus has just been doing things differently. His kingdom is different. So we keep coming back to it because if we kind of just go about our life and we sort of think that that's the way God operates, often the way God operates is almost the opposite. It's upside down, which is why he says, seek first the kingdom. Like we have to completely shift our priorities around Jesus. And as we go through these verses, um, we're just going to do four verses tonight. You'll see again, Jesus says things and does things that I probably wouldn't do. Uh, maybe the default sort of response probably wouldn't be from other people. Because this situation that we're at now is, is Jesus has been healing people. Um, he's, it's kind of this news has spread. And now there's all these people who have come to see him. He's got this huge crowd. Um, so he, he's popular, he's famous, um, he's got all this attention, all these people want to see him and want to hear him and, and like that looks like success, right? Like, like we kind of are impressed by crowds today, like if you get a stack of people at somewhere, that means it's awesome, like that means you're important, that means it's valuable, then we just want to get more people, like Jesus should just get all these people and get more and more people. But the first verse we're going to read today is that when, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. And when Jesus sees a crowd, he doesn't say, oh, this is awesome, let's get more people. He says, I'm going to get away from here. <laughs> like, he leaves. And it's not just like he's just going away. Like, he's getting on a boat and going to the other side of a big lake at the Sea of Galilee. So it's like all these people are here, and you'd think that that's good. Like, we wanted all these people to come and see Jesus, but Jesus says, okay, actually, no, I'm leaving. I'm getting on a boat, I'm going across the Sea of Galilee, kind of like northeast. So like a decent length. Um, he's, not, he's not just hanging around where the crowd is. And this looks kind of strange, right? Like there's all these people interested in Jesus and Jesus is leaving and getting as far away from them as possible in a sense. It kind of looks like Jesus doesn't care about people or he doesn't care about the crowd. Um, but it's actually the opposite. Jesus, the crowd wants something from Jesus, but Jesus knows what they need. Um, one author says it this way, Jesus may have felt that if the crowds of the world were to be helped in depth, in soul and not just in body and mind, he had to do something deeper than heal. He had to make disciples. So Jesus has been healing people. Um, he's been freeing people. It's been amazing. But he knows that's not what people need primarily. It's good. But what they really need is to choose to follow him and actually become a disciple. Um, this, this also says, Real disciples is the world's healthiest reality and evil's major antibodies. Antibody. Real Christian people are the stem cells the world most needs. This idea that what the crowds need is not just to see Jesus and be amazed by him, but they need to come to a point of decision to follow him. And what the world needs is not just Jesus to go around healing people, but the world needs people to follow Jesus and be transformed and then go back into the world to speak life and healing. So Jesus actually leaves because he cares. And as he leaves, he's creating a point of crisis almost. Like, like people have to decide, are they going to follow him? Like we talk about following Jesus today, and, and what we mean by that is... is it, it, deciding that he is who he says he is and that we're going to base our life on him. We're going to read his word. We're going to say, actually, this is how Jesus lives. This is how I seek to live. And I'm going to learn from Jesus as, as my master, my Lord. 
For them, it was way more simple. Following Jesus literally meant, okay, Jesus is getting on a boat and going over there. I'm going to get on a boat and go over there, or I'm going to run around the other side and get to where he is. Like, like the decision is, are you going to follow him? Like, like so the, Jesus is forcing a decision. Like, he's not just camping out where the crowds are. He's leaving, and now people have to decide, am I going to go with him, or am I going to stay here? He's forcing them to make a choice. And what we're going to look at is two responses um, to Jesus, because he's leaving, and these two guys say stuff to Jesus as he's leaving. And there's different responses, and then Jesus responds to them in different ways. And again, we, pr- we probably would respond differently to Jesus. The first guy is an excited Bible teacher. So this, this guy says here in Matthew eight nineteen, a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. So this is a, a Bible scholar, um, someone who studied the Jewish Hebrew scriptures, um, who's impressed with Jesus probably. He's seen Jesus can speak, Jesus can heal, Jesus is amazing. And this guy comes, Jesus is leaving, this guy comes and says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Like, like if someone came and said that to us, like I want to follow Jesus, I'm just going to follow him wherever he goes, we'd probably say, that's awesome, like that's great, let's go. Uh, not Jesus. <laughs> this guy comes to him, Jesus, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. What does Jesus say? This kind of cryptic statement. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's like, that's so strange. Like, Jesus is leaving. This guy wants to follow. I'm going to follow you anywhere. And Jesus starts talking about foxes and and birds. And is like, he's effectively just discouraging this guy in a sense. It's like, he's already leaving. This guy wants to follow. And Jesus is almost kind of, almost discouraging him a little bit. Not, Not discouraging him, but kind of, being really upfront and honest about what it looks like to follow him. So you see, to the overly excited follower, this guy's just really enthusiastic. He wants to follow Jesus. Jesus doesn't just say, yeah, come on in. Just, just get on board. It's great. Jesus says, count the cost. He, he, Jesus wants people to follow him, but he doesn't just want anybody. He wants quality. He, he, he wants people who know what they're signing up for. He doesn't want people to come in and then kind of be like, oh, I didn't realize this is what it was going to be like, and then drop out. He, he says, no, count the cost up front. And this is kind of a strange saying. When you think about it, Jesus is saying that foxes have a place to live, birds have a place to live, these animals have a place to live, and Jesus is effectively saying, I'm homeless. I don't have a home. I don't actually have a place to live. And this Bible teacher might have been thinking, well, Jesus is, can speak, Jesus is healing, Jesus is famous. He must be going to his home. He must be going to this amazing place. If I go with Jesus, I'm a Bible teacher. Maybe I'll get to grow and have some of his um, favor and success. And, and maybe this guy thinks that Jesus must be going to this awesome house. And, and he said, I'm going to go where you're going. And Jesus says, no, like, I'm homeless. I have no place to live. I'm living in complete dependence on my father and deplete dependence on the hospitality of others, maybe sleeping rough at different times. And Jesus says to this guy, count, count the cost. Like he doesn't want him come unaware. He wants him to think about it. This is a statue I found this week. These are actually, um, they're all around the world. There's actually one in Sydney. Uh, it's by a, a Canadian um, sculptor, sculptor, and um, it's called Homeless Jesus. Uh, it's, a, it's a sculpture of a homeless person, um, on a bench, but if you look closely at the feet, um, there's nail marks in the feet. And it's just this subtle reference that, oh, there's a homeless person there, and it's actually Jesus. 
And this sculpture means a lot to the homeless people in the, the community. I think it, at the churches out in, in Sydney and probably around the world of, of Jesus identifying with the poor and, and particularly of um, the idea that when we help the poor that Jesus is present in that as well. But I've just been reflecting on this idea that effectively we follow a man who is homeless. Like, it's an interesting thing to think about. Like the, the, the Lord, the creator God, when he comes into the flesh... Um, lives in humility, didn't actually own a place to live. Um, on the Plummer says, Jesus' life began in a borrowed stable and ended in a borrowed tomb. But Jesus wasn't successful in the world's eyes. Like, he was a refugee to start with, he, he's fleeing his community, and, and then dies as a criminal, accused criminal, and is buried in a borrowed tomb. Like, like Jesus' life, by the world's standards, is not very successful at all. Um, and, and Jesus is saying to this guy who's really excited about following him, count, count the cost. Realize what, what I'm doing and what my life will be like. And, and, and come in with your eyes open. And Jesus is honest about what it will take to follow him. He's honest about where he's going. Um, he doesn't want people just to come in unaware. He doesn't manipulate people. In. He wants people to follow him. But, but he's honest up front in love because he cares he wants people to know what it will look like and what it will take. He says this in Matthew 16, a similar kind of verse. Um, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. And again, I don't think Jesus is not saying like, you've got to do all these things and then you can be my disciple. Jesus is saying, this is what it looks like to be my disciple. Like my life involves a cross. You're going to follow me. It's going to involve a cross. Um, my life involves being homeless. He's saying to this Bible teacher, it's going to involve being homeless. He's, he says, count the cost up front. Um, Jesus is honest about that. And to this, to this guy who's super excited about following him, Jesus is upfront and honest, count the cost. And I suppose one question for us today, maybe, maybe we've decided to follow Jesus um, or we're still thinking about it, or maybe we're just really excited and sometimes we sing songs and we're just like, I'll go anywhere, Jesus. I'll do whatever you say. And, and maybe he's actually saying, We'll count the cost. And, and what's our expectation of what following Jesus will look like? Because um, it's easy for us probably in kind of Christian culture to think that, well, the Christian life looks like um, being nice, getting married, having kids, having a home, having a good career, serving at church, and having a nice, comfortable life. Like, like that can kind of be the default, and that's actually kind of just our culture's view of what, what life looks like. But that, that's not the life that Jesus had. Like, Jesus is saying, I'm effectively homeless. Jesus was single. Jesus was celibate. Uh, Jesus was not, um, he, he was rejected and hated and despised and then crucified as a criminal. Like, that's Jesus' life, and he's the one we're called to follow. And what's our expectations of what our life is going to look like as we follow him? And do we have these subtle expectations Well, it has to look a certain way? And maybe it will look really different. And that's not to say that those things are bad at all, and, 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 and not to say that God doesn't call us to different things, but, but maybe the expectation is to be actually, well, Jesus, that's what your life looked like. Maybe that's what my life will look like, and, and are we open to that? Um, or there may be other costs in following him as well. So to the overly excited, Jesus says, count the costs. He's upfront. He's honest. But then there's this other guy, this other response. Um, he's, I've called him the hesitating son. 
Um, because he, he's interested in following Jesus. We see this in Matthew eight twenty one. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. So again, Jesus is forcing a decision. He's getting on the boat. He's leaving. And this guy says to him, he calls him Lord and says, Lord, um, basically saying, I want to follow you, but first I have this other thing to do. And he says, I need to go and bury my father. Um, which is a pretty important thing to do, right? a very high priority of thing to do. Um, and Jesus says to him, again, probably what we wouldn't say. Like, we would probably say, okay, no worries. Like, you want to follow Jesus? That's great. Go deal with that first and then come back. That's awesome. Uh, Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Like, that's intense, right? Like, it's very blunt almost. Um, Jesus challenges this guy in an intense way. And this is a bit of a confusing verse. And, and, like, and wh- why would Jesus say something like that? And what's this guy really, what's going on with this guy? And there's a couple of things that could be going on. One is that he is talking about his father has died recently and this guy needs to, to attend to his father's funeral, which would be a massively high priority, right? Like, like, if you need an excuse for anything, that excuse would cut it. Like, my, my dad has just died. I need to attend to his funeral. That would be an excuse that would be legitimate in any situation. That is a high priority. Um, that could be what it is. Um, more likely, it seems, is what, what he means is, I need to bury my father, is a, is a phrase that people would use to say, right now, my job as a son is to look after my father in his old age until he passes away. And once he passes away, and I've, and I've attended to that, I'll be released from my family obligations, and then I'll be free to come and follow you, Jesus. So he's actually not saying necessarily, I just have to go to this funeral. He, he potentially is saying, the season of my life is just not ready yet to follow Jesus. I want to follow, but first, I've got to go and do this. And then Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. And what, what he's saying is, this guy, like, it's obviously important to honor parents and, and it's important to attend parents funerals but the, the thing that kind of gives it away with this is this guy says first yes jesus but first i need to do this and it's this hesitating or almost like procrastinating in a sense and jesus says to this guy to the hesitant a hesitant son who may be even putting jesus off for years if his father is not going to die for a few years jesus says to him count the cost but it's a different cost. It's not the cost of following him, but the cost of not following him. Uh, he uses this phrase, let the dead bury their own dead. This is, this is intense, right? And Jesus is making a very intense statement about who he is and about what the world and those who don't follow him are like. And effectively saying, like this is a huge decision that this guy is face to face with. He's face to face with Jesus. And he's sort of saying to Jesus, actually, I'll, I'll attend to you later, Jesus. I need to go and attend to this other stuff. And Jesus is saying, that other stuff is dead. The, the society that you're in is dead. And, and the author of life is sitting right here before you and choose life. Je- Jesus is challenging this guy and almost shaking him and saying, follow me because there's a cost to not following me. If you go back to that, you may never and you're going back to, to not life. I have life, and I'm the only one with life. So he's, he's showing this guy really the seriousness of the decision. He doesn't, he's not saying to this guy, okay, don't, don't worry, just go and 
go back to your funeral. He knows that this guy's right here, ready to follow Jesus. And if he doesn't do it now, he may not do it. And that's serious because there's a cost to not following. Um, this is how one author kind of paraphrases maybe what Jesus was saying. Uh, William Barclay says, Jesus was saying to this man, you are feeling that at the moment you must get out of that dead society in which you move. You say you will get out when the years have passed and your father has died. Get out now or you will never get out at all. This guy's kind of procrastinating or hesitating. And instead of just letting him go, Jesus almost shakes him and says, no, like that's dead, follow me. I'm right here. This is life. Choose life, leave what's dead behind, which is an intense thing to say. Um, but th- this is, William Barclay keeps going and talks about this opportunity. Maybe there's this opportunity for this guy. And we face opportunities as well. He says, Jesus was wise. Jesus knew the human heart, and Jesus knew well that if that man did not follow him on that moment, he never would. Again and again, there come to us moments of impulse when we are moved to the higher things, and then again and again, we let them pass without acting upon them. The tragedy of life is so often the tragedy of the unseized moment. We are moved to some fine action. We are moved to the abandoning of some weakness or habit. We are moved to say something to someone, some word of sympathy, of warning, or encouragement, but the moment passes and the thing is never done and the evil is never conquered and the word is never spoken. In the best of us, there's a certain lethargy and inertia. There's a certain habit of procrastination, of putting things off. There's a certain fear and indecision and the moment is never turned into action and into fact. There's some of this sense and habit that we, we put things off and we miss the moment. And this guy's in a moment and Jesus is, is showing him the seriousness of the moment. And he's actually honest about what's at stake. Um, he, he's saying to this guy, like, this is a serious decision. And, and he doesn't sort of just say, oh, it doesn't matter. He says, it matters. Follow me. He, he's honest about the decision to follow him or not follow him. He says it again in Matthew. Like, this is, again, a full-on verse that Jesus says. He says, anyone who wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be if someone gains the whole world, yet forfeits their soul? Well, what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Again, Jesus is talking about the cost of not following him. He says, you could not follow me and gain the whole world, but you'd lose your soul. Like, it's, in, it's very direct. Je- Jesus is saying that the only way to have life, eternal life, is with him. And you could have everything else. And if you don't have him, you've lost. So there's a huge cost at stake in not believing and trusting and choosing to follow him. Um, so to this hesitant man, he says, count the cost, not of following him, but of not following him, of missing it, of sort of just saying, oh, that was great. Jesus did some healings and I'll kind of follow him eventually, but maybe never doing it and actually missing out on following him and having life. And I suppose the question, the question out of that response uh, for us is then, have we seized the opportunity to follow Jesus? Um, or is it something we're procrastinating? Like, we kind of might be like, I kind of know who Jesus is, and I, yeah, believe, but, but haven't actually decided to follow him, and I'll kind of get to that one day. And, and Jesus would say, well, that, that's a dangerous place to be, because what if you don't? What if the moment's now, and you miss it? And there's a need to seize the opportunity and to follow him. And maybe if we already have, again, there's each day, there's an opportunity to seize the moment and follow Jesus. 
So these are pretty intense things Jesus says, like blunt, <laughs> maybe a bit confusing. Uh, that, that following him means potentially for this guy embracing being homeless, telling a guy whose father, he's caring for his father to, to leave him and let the dead bury their own dead. Like, it seems really intense. And I used to read these verses and even Jesus leaving the crowds. It's almost, you can read it like Jesus doesn't care. Like, like Jesus just doesn't care about being famous. He doesn't care about the crowds. He's just doing his own thing. Um, this guy's really excited about following him, and Jesus just doesn't care about society or about fame and fortune. He's just living homeless and living rough. Or, or this guy um, wants to follow him, but he needs to go back to his father, and Jesus just says, don't care about your father. Like, who cares about that? Like, like that, that could be one way to read this. It's kind of just blunt, and it's that he doesn't care, and it's just this kind of nonchalant. I don't think that's the case. I, I think it's the opposite. I think Jesus is brutally honest because he cares. It's like a doctor who speaks the truth uh, to their patient. Maybe really brutal truth, but the doctor understands the situation, the health crisis, understands what's needed to be done in order to, to have breakthrough and, and healing and, and survive. So the doctor doesn't dumb it down. The doctor says, oh, it doesn't really matter if you don't take your medication. It's no big deal. Like, like the doctor doesn't, that's not a good doctor. The doctor says it straight um, and in love speaks the truth. And again, in these verses, Jesus is very direct. Count the cost of following. Count the cost of not following. Um, but he does it in love. And he, especially this guy who's hesitating. Like, Jesus doesn't just sort of say, oh, okay, well, it doesn't matter. Like, if, if you're prioritizing your family, then I, I'm not interested. No, Jesus says to this guy, like, wake up. Like, he almost shakes him and says, follow me. Like, he pulls him in. He says, don't you realize, yes, you're, going, you're honoring your father, which is good. And Jesus says to honor parents, that's important. But this guy's face to face with the creator, God. He says, don't you realize who I am? And he pulls him and calls him to follow him. What we can see from these verses is that either way, there's a cost. There's a cost to follow Jesus. And there's a cost to not follow him. There's not an option which says, like easy, comfortable life of, of just pleasure and success and eternal life with God. Like, according to Jesus, that's, that's not on the cards. Like, it's either embrace following him now, which will involve a cost, or it's lose and miss out on following him, which will involve a, a much bigger cost. And the choice is between two costs. It's not between whether there's a cost or not. And Jesus is saying that following him is worth the cost. Following him is worth it. Uh, it. It's not, even though there's a cross, Jesus went to the cross with joy. He embraced, this is how he lived. Like, like I think that's amazing that he, he lived just in complete dependence upon the Father, not having a home, as a single man, going to a cross. But that's the Lord that we serve. And he says following him is worth it. That's the way to life. Dallas Willard talks about this, the cost of not following Jesus or non-discipleship. He says, the cost of non-discipleship is far greater, even when this life alone is considered, than the price paid to walk with Jesus. Non-discipleship costs abiding peace, peace that just comes from living completely trusting God, a life penetrated through by love, faith that sees everything in light of God's overriding governance for good. Hopefulness that stands firm in the most discouraging of circumstances. Power to do what is right and withstand the forces of evil. In short, it costs exactly the abundance of life Jesus said he came to bring. 
the cross-shaped yoke of Christ is, after all, an instrument of liberation and power to those who live in it with him and learn the meekness and lowliness of heart that brings rest to the soul. It's like there's a cross that we're called to carry. Jesus is honest about the cost, but he says to miss out on that is worse. It's worth it, is what he's saying, to embrace it and to live in it. I suppose tonight, maybe... Maybe, maybe it's sort of one of those responses is, is maybe resonating more than the other. Maybe um, you're, you're kind of prone to, or maybe in a place of, I'm just going to follow you wherever, Jesus. Like, and I'm just thinking, we're just going to go on the up and up and up, and it's going to be amazing, it's going to be great. And maybe the word tonight is that Jesus says, count the costs. Like, well, actually, what are you expecting in following me? Uh, is, are you just expecting comfort and ease and success and prestige and, and fame? Because and, that's not what he had. Like, and, and he's the one you're following. And, and what are we expecting? Or maybe sort of the hesitating and you're kind of on the edge and kind of like, yeah, I'm interested, but I've got this other stuff. I mean, I've got this other season of life. I've got family. I've got, I've got work. I've got other priorities. Yeah, Jesus, I'm interested, but first I need to deal with this other stuff and I'll get to you eventually. And maybe the word from, from him is, well, count the cost. Like, like there's a cost to not following me. And if, if you face the opportunity now and you're putting it off, what's to say you're not going to keep putting it off and eventually not follow? And that's, that's serious. It's a grave thing. And in love, he says, follow me. Leave and follow me. He, he says to, to, to respond, seize the moment and the opportunity. And maybe tonight, that is, that is, this is a moment of opportunity even tonight to just to do that with God, to say, yes, I'm in, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to tr- trust you with my life. Maybe you've never actually done that as a decision and, and, and made that commitment. And maybe tonight's the night to do that. Um, and if you want to do that, then that's, that's great. And I'm going to be down the front at the end and after the, ch- after the service. And if you'd like to talk about that or pray about that, it's, it's a good decision. It's the best decision. It, it is, we're talking about life and death here, eternity, and the one who has the way. Um, another thing, though, might be maybe you've made that decision to follow Jesus. Um, but the first step in many ways after that decision is to visibly demonstrate that decision publicly to a community through baptism. Um, that, that baptism is this thing that we, we represent, that actually in Jesus we're dead to our old life and we have new life and we're going to follow him and we publicly share that with others. Um, and maybe you've sort of said, yeah, I'm going to follow Jesus, but I've never actually been baptized. And maybe, again, that's a thing not to sort of say, yeah, I'll get to that one day. Like, I'm gonna, I'm, I've got all these other things, and first I'll do this, and then Jesus will follow you in, into baptism. And maybe it's actually, no, maybe there's a moment to say, actually, yeah, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And there's a need to count the cost with that and to understand what, what that is. But again, to also count the cost of not and then just keep putting it off. Um, so tonight I've got some just booklets up the front here about baptism um, that are worth going through and reading through. So feel free to come and grab one of those if you're interested. Um, and I can happy to chat about that um, some more as well. Or it might be something else that, that, that Jesus is sort of calling you to. And there's a moment, and tonight's the night to seize the moment and seize the opportunity. So I'm going to pray. Um, the band's going to come, and we're going to sing a couple more songs, and then, um, then we'll head into dinner. So maybe you could stand with me, and let's, let's just spend this time responding um, to the Lord.
yeah, Jesus, even as we just um, took communion before and yeah, just opened ourselves to areas of our life that you um, are calling us to surrender, um, whether that's for the first time or multiple times, even just tonight, a, a moment, an opportunity um, gathered in your presence and just open to you. Um, God, we just even ask for your strength and your grace to take that step, whatever it is, um, a step of faith to trust you and to follow you and to count the cost and realize it's worth it, um, to realize who you are and that you're worth it all. Um, so Jesus, yeah, we just ask for your presence and your spirit to meet us now as we just respond to your word and as we just open to you in worship and yeah, Holy Spirit, would you just speak and, and move among us, we pray in your name.